Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. Hello, everyone. A beautiful autumn day. A shame to have to ruin it with speaking. Today, continuing on the path that I started down the last few Dharma talks with the Eightfold Path, we've come to the sixth of the Eightfold Path, which is right effort. a good topic to address during session. I thought one of the ways of approaching this, this wonderful topic, is by quoting the first few stanzas of Sosan Ganchi Zenji's trust in mind or faith in mind. So Sanganchi Zenji, the third Chinese Zen patriarch. His wonderful poem begins, the great way is not difficult. Just don't pick and choose. Cut off all likes or dislikes and it is clear like space. The slightest distinction splits heaven from earth. To see the truth, don't be for or against. Likes and dislikes are the mind's disease. If you miss the deep meaning, it is useless to still your thoughts. It is clear as vast space, nothing missing, nothing extra. If you choose or reject, you cannot see things as they are. Outside, don't get tangled in things. Inside, don't get lost in emptiness. Be still and become one, and confusion stops by itself. This is a translation by a um, classical scholar named Stanley Lombardo, who's also a Zen student. He did a wonderful translation of Homer's Odyssey and Iliad. And this is a somewhat different translation than the one that we have in our sutra book. A little bit more plain spoken and direct. And the reason I chose this for right effort is especially the first stanza. 
The great way is not difficult. Just don't pick and choose. An alternative translation closer to what we have in our sutra book. The great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. When love and hate are both absent, everything becomes clear and undisguised. And the great way is not difficult. That's a wonderful koan in and of itself. Anyone who has struggled through session and experienced pain and torment, both physical and psychological, can look at that line and say, what in the world is he talking about? The great way is not difficult. It's very difficult. But I submit that the difficulty is our problem, not the problem of the great way. Our problem is that we have likes and dislikes, preferences that are very difficult to let go of. We like to be comfortable. We like to be warm rather than cold or cool rather than hot. We like when our mind is quiet when we're doing zazen rather than tumbling around with thoughts after thought after thought, emotions, obsessions. We like it when we can get up and think, oh, I did good zazen. I was really concentrated. That's our preference. That's our disease. That's our attachment to dukkha. That very, oh, I did good sasan. That is dukkha. That is delusion. That is setting yourself up for a fall. Enlightenment, Rinzai said, is nothing special. The Dharma is nothing special. The great way is not difficult. But we set it up as some sort of ideal, as if 
on one side of the line is our deluded mind and our preferences and our likes and dislikes. And on the other side of the line is this perfect equanimity that never falters. This is our delusion. I forget who it was who, I think it was Dogen, who said delusion is delusionment about enlightenment. Enlightenment is enlightenment about delusion. Well, the great way is nothing more than being with what is. Holding what is in the mind, holding it in the light of awareness, paying attention, being present. And right effort consists of beginning again and again and again and again. Every time that you think that you've gotten somewhere, achieved something, had a profound thought, had good zazen, and coming back to the realization that the only thing that matters is what's going on right now. This breath, after breath, after breath, after breath. And approaching whatever is going on, whether it is so-called good zazen, sleepy zazen, painful zazen, rapturous zazen, Delightful Zazen, easy Zazen, hard Zazen. Just treating all of it with the same degree of curiosity and kindness. Just inquiring, what is this? What is this? Pain, hmm, pain. And not turning away, not getting disappointed, just getting curious and approaching with a kind, gentle mind again and again and again, beginning again and again and again. That's right effort. In the Theravadan tradition, they talk about right effort. They have some sutras about right effort. And it goes into quite a bit of detail on promoting wholesome states of mind and deterring unwholesome states of mind. 
we don't really talk in those terms in Zen practice. We talk about being with what is, not seeking out something special. Wholesome and unwholesome states of mind are the results of karmic activity. You can promote future wholesome states of mind through paying attention in the present, being careful of what you do in the present. So exploring experience with curiosity, with patience, with persistence, practice like water, drop by drop by drop by drop. Sometimes the water takes the form of a thunderstorm, tumultuous. Sometimes the water takes the form of a river flowing continuously, endlessly, carving great canyons, reshaping landscapes, reshaping, in this case, the landscape of your karma, the landscape of your personality, the landscape of your enjoyment of life and appreciation of life. Just flowing. But in the moment of flowing, there's no expectation of anything. No expectation of enlightenment no expectation of an end to dukkha. It's just water flowing. And so the breath is something we come back to. The breath that flows steady, even, like water. And right effort is just being with it, moment by moment by moment. And when your mind wanders and your thoughts are scattered, seeing that, holding that in the mind with curiosity and kindness, noticing where the mind is, and then coming back, beginning again, beginning again and beginning again. And not just when you're sitting on the cushion, but at all times, 
when you're lying in bed, when you're out for a walk, when you're driving your car. All of those things are an opportunity for practice, whether we appreciate them and take advantage of them. That's another story, but that also is right effort. The effort of recognizing practice opportunities and taking advantage of them. Great way is not difficult. Just don't pick and choose. Just don't hold tight to your preferences. There is a quote from one of my favorite philosophers, the um, French scientist, mathematician, philosopher, Blaise Pascal, who said, it is man's natural sickness to believe that he possesses the truth. Of course, you could say just as well, it is woman's natural sickness to believe that she possesses the truth. It's our natural sickness to believe that we possess the truth, to believe that our preferences are anything but castles in the air or sandcastles ready to be washed away by the tide. I'm reminded that Elizabeth Warren was a Republican and so was Hillary Clinton. And the things that they believed, they believed to be true and the truth to be something solid and yet some decades later, they believe precisely the opposite. And they're not wrong to believe precisely the opposite. I thoroughly appreciate the possibility that we can mature in our vision of what is right and just but at the same time that I recognize that, I also wonder, how can we help but laugh about our preferences? To think that there's something solid and unchanging. It is our natural sickness to believe that we possess the truth. 
And the natural antidote, the natural medicine to that sickness is coming back again and again with curiosity and kindness and looking at ourselves, looking at our emotions, our beliefs, our prejudices, and sometimes having a good laugh and wondering how we could ever have taken any of that seriously. The Dalai Lama once said, my religion is kindness. And I was very impressed with that quote, my religion is kindness. And after pondering it for a while, I wrote a poem. This was a few months back. And the poem is called The Dharma of Magnets. His Holiness, the Dalai Lama said, my religion is kindness. That's a good religion. But my confession of faith would read, my religion is kindness, but my faith is in curiosity. Those are the two poles that make life tolerable. In kindness, no grasping. In curiosity, no aversion. A life charged with these two poles of alternating current is magnetically shielded from delusion. Kindness and curiosity. The exploration of what is with as much kindness and curiosity as you can possibly bring to the endeavor. That's right effort. beginning again and again and again. And as you begin again, not being knocked off course, not being knocked off center by whatever happens, whether so-called good or so-called bad, whatever happens in your Zazen practice, whatever happens in your life, taking the same approach. We practice not to become good at meditation, but to become more appreciative of our lives, 
more present. More appreciative, more in love with our lives. Cut off all likes or dislikes and it is clear like space. The slightest distinction splits heaven from earth. Following the flow of events, following the waves that occur in the ocean without mistaking the waves for the ocean. Holding all of this in your mind. And when you are knocked off course and begin to feel like you're lost, noticing that in your mind and holding that with curiosity and kindness. What is this being lost? How can you be lost when you're right here? Taking this to heart. Questioning it. Taking whatever arises in your life as the great opportunity that it is, however painful the opportunity may be. The moments which are most painful are the moments which shake our beliefs, shake our notion of what's solid and real. And those are the moments when you can really enter the way. It's not by accident that so many stories in Zen involve moments of disjunction or physical pain leading to enlightenment. Someone having a gate slammed on their leg, breaking their leg, and in that moment, enlightenment. Moments of having your thoughts and assumptions turned upside down by a teacher's deft maneuver. And in that moment, 
enlightenment. And the great way is not difficult, but it does have a lot of ups and downs, a lot of reversals, times that seem really challenging. Times when we would really rather be any place else. But if you hold all of this in your mind, in your awareness, and watch it with the great mind. All is opportunity. All is a moment of awakening, if we choose to recognize it as such. It is our natural sickness to believe that we possess the truth. It's also our sickness to believe that someone else possesses the truth and that we can get it from them. That somehow they'll just hand it over to us and of course it doesn't work that way. Blaise Pascal also said, God is a circle whose center is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere. God is a circle whose center is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere. And that is perhaps the only definition of God that I've ever encountered that I felt I could agree with. It's very much like when I, a student of Dharma, look at the real form of the universe, all is the never-failing manifestation of the mysterious truth of Tathagata in any event, in any moment, and in any place. None can be other than the glorious manifestation of its light. Same idea, different words, slightly different concepts, same idea. How do we recognize this center that is everywhere? This God that is in you this Buddha nature that is in you, that is in me, 
that is in my dog, that is in all beings. How do we approach it? How do we recognize it? How do we make it our own? That's where right effort comes in. Moment by moment, being with it, practicing, practicing holding all things in your awareness with tenderness and love and appreciation, even the things which hurt, grief, physical pain, depression, anxiety, and the things which threaten to knock us off course in the opposite direction, excessive joy, excessive celebration, recognition, fame, success. Success is dukkha by another name. another preference for us to cling to. So Sanganchi Zenji is very clear Cut off all likes or dislikes. And it, the great way, the Dharma, Buddha nature, God, whatever word you want to substitute for it, this great awareness, this great love, this great way. is clear like space, that is to say, unobstructed, vast, open, boundless. The clinging to preferences is what keeps us from realizing the boundless nature of this, this mind, this matter, this moment. This momentary expression of conditions that we call our body mind.
holding to enjoyment, running away from displeasure, unpleasant sensations. It takes right effort to simply hold these in mind without moving. You know, we make a big deal in Zen practice about sitting and holding your posture, holding your seat, not moving unless it's really, really, really necessary. And then only moving in the most mindful way possible. Supposedly, so as not to disturb your neighbor. Though in these days of Zoom sessions and Zazen, the chances of you disturbing your neighbor are infinitesimal, but it's still important to move only when truly necessary. Because that effort to be with what is unpleasant, to examine not just the pleasant and agreeable, but the unpleasant and disagreeable, to hold both with the same mind, the same curiosity, the same love and affection. You know, even, even pain, holding that with, with sympathy. This is right effort. And from this, all of the paramita spring. And our appreciation of the great way grows drop by drop by drop by drop by drop. And it's not that the great way takes a long time to realize. The great way is beyond time. It's neither a process that takes a long time nor a short time. The poem by Sosan Ganshi Zenji is very long. I'm only quoting the first few stanzas, but he talks quite a bit about time about large and small, all opposites. And he dismisses them all. Likes and dislikes are the mind's disease. If you miss the deep meaning, it is useless 
to still your thoughts. It is clear as vast space, nothing missing, nothing extra. If you choose or reject, you cannot see things as they are. That is as clear a description of proper Zazen as I've ever heard. If God is a circle whose center is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere, then God is in the moment of misery just as much as in the moment of triumph. God is in the moment of can show no more nor less than in the moment of inwardly screaming with pain. To still the mind to suppress will only cause you to deviate from the way. To hold all of your thoughts, emotions, experience in awareness and to approach them with curiosity, with a sense of an open heart and an open mind. That is the way. There's no other way besides that. Blaise Pascal also said, we are in equally incapable of appreciating the void from which we emerge and the infinity in which we are engulfed. I think in this moment, in this particular instance, Pascal could have used a bit more Zazen because with patience, 
with right effort, with practice, we learn to appreciate both the void from which we emerge and the infinity in which we're engulfed. And to appreciate that they're really not two different things. The vastness is in all things and all moments. And drop by drop by drop, breath by breath by breath, we can learn to appreciate this. That's right effort. I'll leave you with one more quote from Blaise Pascal. He said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. And now we sit quietly in a room alone, connected by technology to others sitting in a room alone and others still sitting in a room together and across many states and even many countries. We sit in a room alone together. And in this way, all of humanity's problems Are set right. At least for a moment. At least here, together, alone. And we come to recognize our true nature, breath by breath. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.